Welcome to We Built This Life. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and this is the podcast that is having a bit of an identity crisis at the moment, and luckily the show title leaves room for interpretation. Right now I'm doing a series about health, and today's episode will focus on my seven tips for addressing skin conditions like eczema and Grover's disease. Thank you so much for listening today. Hello, thank you for listening to We Built This Life. I'm so happy you are here today. This is a follow-up to the last episode I did, which was about my experience with naturopathic medicine and how I've been working with my naturopathic doctor to heal my skin conditions. I was diagnosed with Grover's disease in 2019, which is basically an itchy red rash. And then in 2021, I was diagnosed with eczema, which is also an itchy red rash, only it, it was much worse than the Grover's disease. If you want to learn more about that, you can listen to the last episode. But today, I said at the end of that last episode that I wanted to do a full video dedicated to eczema and Grover's disease. And I wanted to cover the resources I found, what I've been using to address these skin conditions, such as products like body care and soap, the best clothing materials and the companies you might want to look into who make clothing with those fabrics, some things I've been doing in the home or that I want to do that could help with eczema, the supplements I've been taking that are geared toward this. Eczema and Grover's disease are challenging chronic conditions to be diagnosed with. I mean, Grover's disease, no one has ever heard of it and there's not a lot out there about it. So that's challenging in and of itself. But for both of these conditions, even though they aren't life-threatening conditions, they are quality of life affecting and there isn't a clear cause of eczema and Grover's disease and there isn't a clear treatment. It seems to sort of vary by person, I think, and it requires some investigative work and trial and error. And I know how helpful it was for me when I was learning more about skin conditions to find YouTube videos or podcasts on the subject. It just gave me a place to start when I was figuring out how I could address these conditions within my own body. So the usual disclaimer, nothing I say is medical advice. This is just my experience. These are just things that have worked for me or that I'm exploring. My hope is that with this episode, I wanna give people who are suffering from these conditions a place to start to address them. And I will link everything in the show notes so it's easy to find the products that I mention. I'm also going to talk a little bit at the end of the episode about my experience with food elimination diets. I had mentioned in the last episode that I had this food sensitivity Activity test done with my naturopathic doctor and then I was supposed to eliminate a decent sized group of foods for six to eight weeks and then the idea is you reintroduce the foods one at a time and you see if you have a reaction a skin reaction some other kind of reaction so you know if you are actually sensitive to that food and maybe it would help to eliminate it from your diet for a little while I don't think the idea is to eliminate these foods forever it's the kind of Eliminate them for a while while your body gets back into balance. So I wanted to talk about that experience. Basically, in a nutshell, I tried to eliminate, I think, too many foods at once, which made me not successful in a lot of ways. But I was successful at eliminating some things. And when I reintroduced them, my skin rash popped back out, which is just wild to me that foods I have had in my life in the past without incident could all of a sudden cause this reaction. So... Uh, it's been an interesting experience doing this food elimination thing, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. 
Finally, if you are dealing with eczema or Grover's disease and you ever want to get in touch, the best way to do that is through my Instagram DMs and I'm at We Built This Life. Okay, thank you so much for listening today. Let's get into this week's episode about my seven tips for addressing eczema and Grover's disease. So first, just for a bit of background, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I had my first skin rash on my body in 2019. It's not something I ever experienced as a kid. It was on my stomach, arms, back, under my arms. It was itchy. That's when I was diagnosed with Grover's disease. This rash went away after about six months. And then in May of 2021, I had a rash come back that was much, much worse. It was on my legs from knee to ankle, mostly on the inside and the backs of my legs, and it was under my arms. The itch was worse. My skin would bleed. It would flake off. I mean, if you have eczema, you know what it's like. And this time, that's what I was diagnosed with, eczema or atopic dermatitis. In November 2021 is when I got my diagnosis. And both of these diagnoses came after my dermatologist did skin biopsies. And I've been working with a naturopathic doctor to address these skin issues since September of 2021. So that's a brief history. I go into it more in the previous episode if you're interested in all the details. Right now my skin is doing pretty well. My legs have cleared up. I still deal with some patches of eczema under my arms, but I haven't gotten through the heat of the summer yet. And I think that's when my skin really reacts, when my eczema is triggered. So I'm pretty nervous about that. We'll see. Hopefully I've put some good, like a good foundation in place to kind of get through the summer heat. So I'm going to tell you about some of the some of the things I've been doing, some of the tips I have for dealing with eczema and Grover's disease. My first tip is to seek out all the resources that are available online and otherwise, which I'm sure is the first thing you did after a diagnosis, but I'll share a few of my favorite resources. First, there's a skincare company that I have really come to like a lot since experiencing skin issues myself, and that's called Osmia, O-S-M-I-A. Osmia is an ingredient-focused skincare company. They are known for their soaps, but they make many other products. I'll talk about some of them in the bit, but they also provide a lot of education around skin conditions. I think their blog is probably a good resource. I know they have articles about different skin conditions. I haven't read through them quite as much, but that might be a good place to start. What I have liked is that the founder, Dr. Sarah Villafranco, has put up these Instagram videos. I don't know what to call these anymore. The videos, they're not reels. Maybe they were lives. It's the third icon above the photos that looks like a triangle on their IG homepage. There's two really good videos here about eczema, and unfortunately, they aren't titled. But right now, as of late April 2022, If you go into that place where they keep the videos and you count the rows of photos down from the top in the 19th row, there's a black and white video where she goes really in depth with all the different types of eczema and some tips for addressing it. It's a longer video, maybe 18 minutes, but a really good place to start to get an overview of this skin condition. And then there's a shorter video in the 14th row that's in color that focuses on just a few ideas to start figuring out what is causing eczema and how to address it. I thought these videos offered a really good, simple umbrella look at eczema and they're encouraging. After watching them, I thought, okay, there's things I can try here. I don't just have to use my steroid cream to address the itch. There's other things I can do. So they're a really great place to start. 
Then I also want to mention the Healthy Skin podcast by Jennifer Fugo. I believe she's an integrative clinical nutritionist who has dealt with eczema herself, but she covers many skin issues and conditions on her podcast. She had a three-part series recently about the importance of sleep and its connection to skin issues. That's on my list of episodes to listen to. And she also has a full episode on Grover's disease, which is so, so hard to find. A full half-hour episode devoted to Grover's disease. When I thought that that's what I had, Grover's disease, when I was first diagnosed, I listened to the episode and I took notes and I remember being really relieved that there was at least something out there, this one episode that talked about this rare skin condition. So there's a wealth of information on this podcast to explore, I think, no matter what your skin condition is. And then if you found this episode because you've been diagnosed with Grover's disease, I also wanted to mention the Grover's disease support group on Facebook. I think that's what it's called, Grover's Disease Support Group. It's smaller than the eczema groups. I think it only has about a thousand members, so it's much more manageable. And like I said, there's not a lot of information out there about Grover's, so it's helpful to find other people who are dealing with it, and they all share tips that have worked for them, things they are trying, frustrations. You know, sometimes you need encouragement and ideas, but sometimes you also just don't want to feel like the only person who is going through this skin condition. And I think this is a good group to look for support, no matter what kind of support you're looking for. My second tip is a quick one, but an effective one, and that's to get some ice packs to deal with the itch that comes with these skin conditions. I said this on the last episode, but I can't even describe to you what it feels like to itch for many hours a day on a large part of your body and to not be able to make that feeling go away. And last summer, I wore ice packs all the time to help address that. The kind that you strap on because my eczema was on my legs. I was always walking around with these ice packs on because it really did help with the itch. I only tried my steroid creams, which is the standard treatment, I think, for skin conditions, or at least that's what I was prescribed. I only tried them twice. But in my experience, ice packs were much more effective at calming the itch. So I got my two strap-on ice packs on Amazon. I think they were... They were either $10 each or $10 for a pack of two, something like that. They weren't expensive. I have like four to six of them. So when I needed them in the summer, I could take one upstairs at night and then still have plenty downstairs. There was always one that was cold when I needed it. So they worked really great for me. If you're dealing with itchy rashes on your upper body, they also make ice vests that I think look intriguing if you don't mind people seeing you wearing a vest. And honestly, when I was really itchy on my upper body, if it made the itch go away, I would not have minded <laughs> wearing an ice vest. I actually considered getting one last summer to try it, but I didn't realize they existed until the summer was almost over. My guess is that they really do help, although I've never tried them, but it could be something to look into. So ice packs to address the itchiness. They are really effective. Okay, my third tip isn't really a tip, but more like a monologue on some of my favorite body care products for eczema that can help with itchy and dry skin. Maybe the tip is use body care products to help with dry skin, the dry skin that comes with eczema. So I mentioned Osmia earlier, so let's start there. I've been using their Naked Body Oil and Naked Body Mousse. I buy them together with the soap in this kit they sell called their Itchy Skin Kit, and they are really lovely products. I think the key is using them together. I don't really like the mousse or the oil on their own as much. But together, the oil breaks down the mousse, so it's easier to apply, and the mousse adds more moisture or nourishment than the body oil alone would provide, I think. 
So I like them together. I apply them on wet skin after getting out of the shower, and I just think the experience of using them for products that are marketed toward eczema is really nice. They come in glass bottles. Although they're unscented, the body oil does have the scent of the oils that were used to make it, which I really like. I think it's a nice scent. So they're really great products. And that itchy skin kit that I mentioned, Osmia also includes their Oso Soap. I think that's what it's called. Their soaps are really beautiful in appearance and I really want to love them, but they don't lather as much as I would like all the time. I still use them. I'm trying to love this soap, but I just wish it lathered a little bit more. But I really like this company for body care and I also really like their face soaps. After I take my makeup off with an oil at night, I've been using a bar soap to wash my face and I've tried all three of their face soaps and I really like them. So their products are a bit on the pricey side sometimes, but they have four sales a year. If you've never purchased from them before, you can sign up for the email list and get a discount code. And I also noticed recently that if you enter their Instagram contests and you don't win, they send you a pretty good discount code just for entering. So there are lots of ways to save and try out their beautiful products. Another company I like just for one product in particular is Aveen. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but it's A-V-E-N-E. It's called Xericom Lipid Replenishing Cream. It's more like a lotion, but a little bit thicker. I've found this cream to be the most effective of all the creams I've tried at stopping the itch. In the summer and fall, it's still pretty hot in Maryland in the, in the fall. I found this cream to be very soothing. I think it really did calm down my skin. I've tried some of their products and samples from this company and I haven't found anything else that I like as much, but I will probably always repurchase the Xericom Lipid Replenishing Cream. All right, and then a couple of other products I've tried that I'll mention. The company Everybody makes a lotion. Well, they make a lot of lotions, but the one I like is the Citrus Mint scent. It's the least expensive lotion I have tried to help with eczema. You can get two giant bottles on Amazon for like $22. And I do think the mint helps a little bit with the itch. So it could be something to explore. Province Apothecary also makes an eczema balm that I've uh, purchased a bunch of times. It's a really thick white product. It comes in like a tin, like some sunscreens come in those tins. I liked using it on my legs in the summer when I would get really upset at night about how my rash looked. The white color, like if you think of how sunscreen can look when you put it on, it kind of has that white cast. It's that type of color and it covered my rash a little bit and just not being able to see it made me feel a little bit better. So I did like it in the summer. It's also a little bit soothing and I used it in winter too when my rash got pretty bad under my arms as a deodorant. So if you're covering large parts of your body, it can be a pricier product because it will go quickly, but I just use it under my arms now and I find it lasts longer. So it's probably a product I'd always like to have around as part of my eczema arsenal. Then I'll mention this other product. Something my naturopathic doctor and a friend recommended is Emuade, E-M-U-A-I-D, which is a topical homeopathic treatment. It's marketed for lots of uses, I actually didn't find that it helped my eczema. And I feel like all of these products are a little bit pricey. It's, it's a pricier product for what you get. I went through it pretty fast too when I was trying to cover my legs with it. But it might be something to look into just to see if it works for you. I like using it for other things. For example, I get cold sores and I really liked it to treat that. And after I had two skin biopsies to confirm that I had eczema, I had two scars from where they punched out a piece of skin to do the biopsy. So I was using Emuade over one of those scars because I was trying to heal a patch of eczema and that scar is gone. 
It completely disappeared. And on the other area of my body where I had the biopsy and I wasn't applying the MUA, I still have that scar. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I think it has lots of uses and could be useful for experimentation to see how it works for you. And then I mentioned Osmia soaps already. You know, they do make that Oso soap and I do use it and I do like it enough, I guess. But if you're local to Baltimore or if you want to buy products from a local Baltimore company online, I really like the Sobo Black Soap from So Botanical. It's marketed for skin conditions like eczema and rosacea and it lathers. It is a messier soap. It kind of falls apart a little bit, but it's still the eczema soap that I have liked the best. And then for deodorant, I haven't gotten through a hot summer yet. As I mentioned, I get the rash under my arms. I have really liked the violets or blue magnesium deodorant. It's scent free and it is supposed to be for very sensitive skin. It's about $25 for a tube of it, which can seem like a lot if you're not used to paying that much for deodorant, but it's a little bit bigger. It seems like it'll last a while. And so far I've had good success with it. Okay, my fourth tip is to look for clothing companies that use eczema-friendly fabrics. For a good part of last summer, I wore leggings, even though it was very hot. I wore the Lululemon Align leggings, but this is nothing against Lululemon. I could have been wearing any leggings. I thought having a tight fabric covering my legs was hiding the rash and keeping me from scratching. I thought it was a good thing, but I would still get really itchy and I'd have to pull up the leggings and scratch. And now I know that I wasn't letting my legs breathe. I wasn't wearing a breathable fabric and that wasn't helping my skin condition. So two good fabrics for eczema prone skin I have learned are organic cotton and tensile. Both are supposed to be lightweight and breathable and tensile is also supposed to be moisture wicking. So it, you know, it should absorb some of the moisture if you're sweating in the summer. So for actual clothing companies that use these fabrics, I like Evolvery. Amy Homan, the owner, was on episode seven of this podcast. And when I discovered her maxi skirts last summer, when I actually bought a couple, I felt like I turned a corner. I no longer felt like I was suffocating under these really tight leggings. Their maxi skirts are really airy and breathable and they kept my legs covered. I was so relieved to discover them last year to have tried these skirts out because they made a difference in how my skin was feeling in the hot summer months. I mean, Evolvery has lots of clothes. They have dresses, shirts, tops, skirts, and pants. So they're a really good company to explore and their focus is on dead stock fabric. So fabric that's already been made that has been discarded. So I love that about their mission. And then another company I am really intrigued by and I wanna get more clothes from them is Veta because they make a lot of products using tensile. So they're a capsule clothing company. They design capsules, each with five garments that can be worn 30 different ways. And they just came out with a capsule with pieces made from 100% tensile. I'm just really into this fabric. I feel like it could really help when it's really hot in summer to keep you cool, or I'm hopeful that it could anyway. I picked up my second piece from them. I have a like a long skirt from them. I'm not even sure what that's made of, but I picked up the boyfriend shirt, which is made from tensile, and it does feel very cool. I haven't tried it in the heat yet, but I really think it's going to be good. It feels breathable. And if this fabric helps in the summer by wicking sweat and helps to prevent my rashes from popping out again, I will definitely have more Veta pieces on my wish list. All right, so the fifth tip is to look for changes you can make in your home. And this is something I'm still working on. 
One product, one item I'd eventually like to get is an air purifier. Eczema can be affected by allergens in the air like dust mites, pollen, mold, and air purifiers are supposed to filter out most of that. They are pricey though. I don't want to keep saying that. I, I don't know. I think just everything added together, it feels like it all costs a lot. But if you want to cover your whole space, even like living in a city space that's a little bit smaller like I do, I think we would need more than one air purifier to do that. So I haven't purchased one yet. For now, I've been trying to open the windows more to exchange the indoor air with the outdoor air. I don't know how effective that is, but I'm trying it out. It's pretty easy to do, of course. If you wanna look into an air purifier, I see a lot of content creators recommend the Air Doctor. I've never tried it, so I don't have any personal feelings about it, but this might be a good place to start in your research. And then personally, I would also like to explore getting sheets made of organic cotton or tensile. I actually probably really like to get sheets made of tensile, I guess. That's just the fabric I'm into trying. Last summer, I had such a hard time sleeping at night because I was so itchy. So I'm going to be very focused this year on not getting hot at night. And I think the type of sheets that are on your bed are an important step in keeping you cool. I think West Elm makes a sheet set that's 100% tensile, and I'm sure there are others. If I can do some research before I put this episode up, I'll try to link a few places in the show notes. Okay, and then you might want to look into changing out some of your products at home that contain sodium lauryl or laureth sulfate, or SLS. This is a tip from Dr. Sarah Villafranco from Osmia, the company I mentioned earlier. But this is an ingredient that makes products bubble or foam. She mentioned looking at your laundry detergent, dishwashing soap, toothpaste, and hand soap. We use Branch Basics for our laundry detergent and hand soap. Their product comes in a concentrate, so you buy the bottle of concentrate and then the bottles for all of your products, like laundry detergent, hand soap, cleaning products, and then the amount of concentrate to water you need is listed on the bottle. And you use those bottles over and over and just replace the concentrate. So they're very ingredient conscious. They don't use SLS or other harmful ingredients. Their customer service is great. So this is a good option and a company I like to support. For toothpaste, I use RiseWell, which uses hydroxyapatite instead of fluoride, and it doesn't have any SLS. If I can go off on a tangent for a second, I was really nervous about using a fluoride-free toothpaste. I'm very obsessive about my teeth. I floss and water pick every night, along with brushing, of course, and I was nervous that I was going to get cavities without the fluoride. I've been using RiseWell exclusively for more than six months, and I didn't have any cavities or problems at my last dentist visit. So if you're nervous about switching to, it helped me to think of it like an experiment for a set amount of time and I'll kind of see what happens. But yeah, I've I've really liked Risewell. It has a good flavor too, a good minty flavor. Some natural toothpastes aren't as strong as I would like, but I've liked the Risewell flavor. And then for dishwashing soap, I think Molly's Suds makes an LS free version. I haven't tried it yet, but it's on my list of things to purchase. My sixth tip is to explore if supplements could be helpful to you. And this is where I have to repeat that this is not medical advice. This is what I have been trying. And I work with a naturopathic doctor and I talk to her about this stuff. So if you're thinking of taking supplements, you could talk to your healthcare provider about it. You could do your own research and just see what you think would work best for you. So I have been someone who has been really opposed to taking supplements for most of my life. I never really liked the idea of a multivitamin because I always 
always thought, well, maybe I don't need to supplement for all of these vitamins and minerals. I guess I didn't like the blanket approach that everyone should take a multivitamin because people have different needs, right? That's how I've always thought of it anyway. But I mentioned in my last episode, a test I took through my ND, naturopathic doctor, called the SpectraCell. And this, this is a simplistic explanation, but it looks at your cells for vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So I found that I have functional deficiencies in biotin, copper, vitamin E, and asparagine, asparagine, a non-essential amino acid that if you're deficient in it, my report said it can lead to fatigue and immune system stress. So this test was really helpful to me because biotin is a B vitamin that's really important in skin health. And the test recommends a dosage for the vitamins and minerals you are deficient in. So they recommended 1000 MCGs of biotin a day. So that's what I take. I take one capsule a day. I use the Now Foods brand. I have noticed a difference in my hair and nails. It's funny, I've taken much more expensive beauty supplements before. They're supposed to support the health of your skin, hair, and nails. And I think I've seen the most visible difference with the biotin. Now, maybe that's because I had a deficiency, but I thought that was interesting. It's hard to say whether it's helping my skin because the weather change might have just helped it. But if you are suffering from eczema or Grover's disease, you might want to talk to your healthcare provider about supplementing with biotin, maybe see if it's something you're deficient in. And sort of along those lines, gut health is also part of the conversation, or it has been with my ND when people are talking about skin health. So I also take a probiotic. The one I take is by HMF Superfoods. I mix one tiny scoop a day with water, and this is the brand that my ND recommended. And then I've also recently picked up two new supplements to try. Mercedes at Lamori La Musique has had some really fascinating health content recently on her Patreon and maybe on her YouTube channel. I can never remember what I see where, but I think it's mostly through her Patreon that she's been talking about some health stuff. She has a PhD in sociology, so a background in research, and I've learned about some supplements from her that I didn't even know existed. So specifically to see if they help with my eczema, I'm trying desiccated liver, which comes in a capsule form. I mean, I'm trying this because I'm also deficient in copper and my ferritin, which is related to iron, is low. So for those reasons as well, but I've eaten mostly a plant foods based diet with occasionally fish for a long time. So I'm seeing if adding a little bit of meat back in makes a difference. And I've read that desiccated liver can make a difference in skin health as well. As I said, they're capsules. They taste like nothing. I mean, I was worried, are they going to have a liver flavor? They don't. And not having had much red meat and poultry in more than 20 years, I've come to really not like the texture of meat. So I'm not really inclined to add meat to my diet, but I thought it would be interesting to experiment with that desiccated liver to see if it helps address some deficiencies and also helps my skin. And then also a Mercedes recommendation, I picked up a vitamin E supplement. Again, this is something I'm deficient in, a supplement that my ND supports for skin health. I haven't tried it yet because I'm taking so many supplements at the moment. I mean, I need a pill box. I'm taking so many supplements. I think I'm going to do a second episode about naturopathic medicine and what I've gotten out of the experience that has nothing to do with eczema because right now I'm on this antiviral protocol that isn't related to my skin at all and requires a lot of supplementation. It's not for COVID. I think that's the first thing people think when you say antiviral. It's for other things, but that's a story for another time. I haven't started the vitamin E yet, but I will soon and I have high hopes that it will help with my skin. 
Something else I wanted to mention in regards to supplements is a company called Skin Friend, created by eczema nutritionist Karen Fisher. They're an Australian company. Karen has written books about eczema and the role food and supplementation can play. She creates recipes and food guides to try to figure out your trigger foods. I have one of her books. It's actually right next to me. It's called The Eczema Detox. And then she also makes supplements. They're called Skin Friend AM and Skin Friend PM. Skin Friend AM contains zinc, vitamin C, riboflavin, biotin, and nicotinamide, while Skin Friend PM has calcium and magnesium. There are dosages listed for kids, so I guess they're safe for kids. Lots of kids suffer from eczema and need support. I've never tried these supplements. Like I said, I'm already taking a lot right now. I mean, it's just not something else I want to add in, but I do think the company is intriguing and could be interesting to explore. I found the Eczema Detox book to be really interesting to flip through, just to read about different supplements, to read about different foods that could be triggers. And as I mentioned, she does a lot of work with food elimination, which leads me into my next tip. Tip number seven, in my experience, food elimination can be helpful at finding your food triggers, but I would not eliminate large amounts of food at the same time. So if you listen to my last episode, I might be repetitive for a minute, but I'll try to keep this brief. One of the things I did with my naturopathic doctor to help potentially figure out some things that might be triggering my eczema was take that food sensitivity test that I also mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Mine was a blood test. I went to a hospital lab to have the blood drawn and you get this big list of foods back and it tells you what foods you are most reactive to, which foods you are moderately reactive to, and then not reactive to. So it's like a red, yellow, green light type of coating that you get back from this company. So I was supposed to eliminate the foods I was most reactive to for six to eight weeks, then reintroduce them one at a time and have a lot of that particular food over five days or so to see if I have any skin reactions. Then on top of that, I was supposed to have the foods on my moderately reactive list no more than two times a week. So my ND did ask, do you think this is doable? And in my head, I was thinking, hell no, this sounds awful. But I said I'd give it a try. So my most reactive foods, and keep in mind here, I was eating primarily plant-based food, not much fish unless I was out at a restaurant or something, which we don't do very often. I don't like eggs and I will never eat them. So this was my most reactive food list, right? It's basically all my protein sources. Soy, peanuts, nuts, including almonds, cashews, hazelnuts, and pistachios, dark chocolate and cocoa, spinach, beans, flax, peas, white wine, and then nutmeg and scallops. And then on my moderately reactive list, I have rice, mushrooms, olives, blueberries, oranges, and vanilla. So I tried to focus on the most reactive food list. And I just decided I wasn't going to worry about the moderately reactive list because it was just too much. My head was spinning. I couldn't even comprehend what I would eat just focusing on the most reactive things. So like I said, this pretty much eliminated all my protein choices. I think I made it with the full reactive list close to five weeks with some mess ups. I kept messing up. I would make banana ice cream for my kids with peanut butter and cocoa and I'd have a bite thinking it was just bananas and then I'd remember, oh, this has foods in it that I can't have right now. You just forget. So I made mistakes and around the five week mark, I came home from picking my kids up at school one day and I just... I just broke. I was, I felt spacey and tired and just crappy. I had some protein powder in the pantry. I took out a scoop, mixed it with water and just drank it down as fast as I could. And if you've ever had protein powder and water, you know how awful it tastes, but I didn't know what to eat. And I wasn't supposed to eat the protein powder because it had peas and chickpeas in it, but I just, I needed something. And I almost instantly, getting that little shot of protein, I almost instantly felt better. 
So all this to say that for me, eliminating so many food groups at once was not a good idea. It was overwhelming and I struggled knowing what to eat and I was frustrated by that. So I personally would not do a food elimination again with so many things at once. But I did continue to test some things and when I reintroduced them, I did notice a reaction on my skin, which like I said, was just wild to me. I had been eating a lot of sun butter, like sun butter made with sunflower seeds. And I ran out one day and I usually have a stock of it in the pantry because it's such a big part of my diet while, you know, I can't have a lot of other nuts. But I forgot to buy an extra and I had some almond butter. So I was like, I'm just going to eat some of this almond butter. And within a day, a rash popped out under my arms that looked different. So I stopped eating it. It went away. And then on my birthday, I was very lax. I had a birthday in March and I went out to dinner with my husband and I had cheese, I had a beer and I had cornbread. You know, I don't think I'm reactive to cheese. I've tested it since then. The cornbread has more sugar than I would normally have. But other than that, I can't think of anything I'd be reactive to in that. I don't think I'm reactive to corn. I think it was the beer. And my legs, after I had that, rashed up. I mean, it was on a smaller patch of my leg, but it looked like it did last summer. So I got really upset about it for two nights and was crying a little bit because I thought my rash was coming back, but I eliminated the food. I haven't had anything to drink since then and it got better, it healed. So there is something to this food elimination thing. Right now I had to go back and retest soy because I didn't have enough of it when I reintroduced it. I'm going back to test chocolate and spinach and it's much more manageable. Just those three things at a time. I have other protein sources. I have a wide list of other foods I can eat. So if you're going to try food elimination, maybe just try one food at a time, one big food group at a time, a couple groups at a time. Dairy is a big one, I think, if you're not going to have the testing done. Dairy is a big one. Soy, corn, sometimes people can be reactive to. So do a little bit of research about it. The Osmia videos I mentioned at the beginning of this episode are really helpful. She does talk a little bit about figuring out your food triggers. So that might be a good place to start out. Okay, that was my last tip for today. I want to thank you so much for listening today. If you have been diagnosed with eczema or Grover's disease and you found things that have worked for you and you want to share them, as I said, you can DM me on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. I have an email address too. I never remember to check it, but it's We Built This Life Podcast at gmail.com. I will be back soon with another episode. You know, the focus of this podcast might be shifting. And I'll explain a little bit more about why, if indeed I do go that route. But you might be hearing some more health episodes in here for some time to come. So thank you so much for listening today. I'm so happy that you chose to spend some of your time with me today. And I'll be back soon. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show or if you have constructive feedback, I would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also come say hi on Instagram. I'm at We Built This Life. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. Have an amazing day and I'll see you soon.